It was a little over 2,000 years ago that Jesus gathered His closest 12 followers, a group of 12 men that we've come to call His disciples. And He gathered them together for a meal, an evening meal, which was called the Passover meal. And this wasn't just any meal. In fact, for the Jewish people, this was the most important meal on their annual calendar. And every one of Jesus' followers and Jesus Himself would have celebrated this meal every year from birth. And yet this evening, Jesus gathered His 12 disciples together and celebrated the Passover with them. What would have been Jesus' last Passover meal? At the end of the meal, Jesus went for an evening walk and took His disciples with Him into a a setting that actually was quite beautiful and quite fitting for a day that we now call Good Friday. They went for a walk through an olive grove. Only this time, there was only 11 of Jesus' disciples with Him. One of them was strangely absent. And as they walked through this olive grove, they approached a garden. We now know that garden to be called the Garden of Gethsemane. And for some reason, Jesus actually paused with His 11 and he, and he handpicked three of them, three that actually were His closest disciples. And He handpicked three of them to venture further with Him towards the, the centre of the garden. And they neared the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus stopped with those three and He asked them just to wait, just to, just to stay where they were. And He gave them a simple instruction using just three words, watch and pray. And he left them there and he went into the centre of that garden. And Jesus actually dropped to his knees. In fact, he actually pressed his face into the ground and he spoke words to his Father, what we would call a prayer. And he said to his Father, if there's any way that this cup of suffering can be removed from me, please let that be the case. See, Jesus had come to earth fully God and while He was on this earth, He was also fully man. And He knew His assignment involved Him going to the cross. The cross, being crucified on the cross, was the most brutal form of capital punishment the Romans had come up with. And they were masters in torture. This this form of punishment, being crucified on a cross, was reserved for the worst of the worst. And Jesus, in His full humanity, He understood, He had some level of comprehension of just how brutal this experience would be for Him. And so He asked His Father, is there another way this can happen? See, Jesus had come to earth with a mission and His mission was to bring forgiveness of sins. His mission was to allow us to be restored in our relationship with the Father. Jesus was committed to the outcome but he wasn't so sure about the process. Is there another way that your people can be restored to a relationship with you, God? Is there another way that your people can have their sins forgiven, God? Is there another way this outcome can be achieved without me having to suffer through this process? And the heavens were silent. Jesus walked back out of the centre of that garden found the three that he'd asked to watch and pray. He found them sound asleep. And he shook them indignantly and said, could you not even stay awake for one hour? 
And so again, he looked at them and he gave them the very same instructions. Watch and pray. Jesus walked back into the center of the garden. Again, fell to his face. And again, he said the exact same thing to God. God, if there is another way, can you please take this cup of suffering from me? And the heavens were silent. Jesus prayed that exact same prayer a third time. God, if there's another way, can you please take this cup of suffering from me? The heavens were still silent. Only this time Jesus added some words. And he said to his father, but not my will, but yours be done. I'm willing to go through this. I'm willing to endure this so that people can be forgiven, so that people can be restored to a relationship with, I'm willing to do this. Do you know that nobody made Jesus go to that cross? In that whole conversation that he had with God, not even God weighed in. This was the moment that Jesus himself willingly submitted to what would be death on the cross. Willingly, of his own volition. Jesus came for a mission, but it wasn't conscription, it was enlistment. He was a volunteer on this mission. That's how much he loves you. When Jesus came back out of that garden, having submitted himself to God's will, <laughs> again, finding his three closest followers asleep. And as he shook them this time, however, there was a rumbling in the background, something new, something different, something was happening coming over the horizon. And that rumbling was the foot strike of 500 fully armed Roman soldiers who were coming to arrest Jesus, 500 fully armed Roman soldiers, 500 fully armed Roman soldiers coming to arrest one unarmed innocent man. And as the disciples rubbed their eyes, they noticed that those 500 Roman soldiers were being led by one of their own, the 12th a man named Judas. And as those soldiers approached, Jesus characteristically said to the soldiers, it's me that you want. Leave them alone. Right there was a precursor to Jesus demonstrating that He was willing to put Himself in harm's way to save those who chose to follow Him. And Judas approached Jesus and gave Him a kiss on the cheek, which was actually a pre-organised cue that Jesus had given to the Roman soldiers. The one that I will kiss, that's him. That's the one you to arrest. Jesus had actually left that meal and instead of going for a walk with Jesus and the other 11, he'd actually gone off to betray Jesus. He actually went off, found the Romans and actually betrayed Jesus for a bribe. 30 pieces of silver. I will turn Jesus over to you and all I ask in return is 30 pieces of silver. 
It's an absolute diabolical travesty when you learn that 30 pieces of silver were the price that one would pay to buy a slave in that time. Judas betrayed the Son of God for the price of a slave. Those 500 Roman soldiers get, grabbed Jesus and they marched Him off under arrest, ready for trial. Well, you can call it a trial, but it wasn't a trial. In fact, in Jewish law, it was illegal to arrest somebody in the night. It was illegal under Jewish law to arrest somebody as the result of a bribe. It was illegal under Jewish law to arrest somebody during the feast of the Passover. And by the time the sun had risen the next day, Jesus had been tried and put, sentenced to death. Well, under Jewish law, it was against the law to try and prosecute somebody during the night. And yet all of those laws were pushed aside while Jesus, an innocent man, was sentenced to the most cruel and brutal form of capital punishment that the Romans had come up with. I mentioned that Jesus earlier that night before had been celebrating a meal with His disciples, the Passover meal. The Passover meal was the most important annual meal on the Jewish calendar. And the reason that it was the most important meal on the Jewish calendar is that the Jewish people would gather together and they would take time over a meal to, to celebrate the fact that God is a saving God. And they'd been doing this for thousands of years. In fact, the beginning of this ritual, this custom, this feast of the Passover traces its origins back to when the Jewish people, the, the nation of Israel, were actually being held captive in Egypt. They were being held captive in Egypt for 400 years. I say this because we kind of disconnect history, but who do you think built the pyramids? Who do you think dug the canals? Who do you think did the farming for the pharaohs who had the wealth and the power? Well, they brought the Israelites in as slaves and they held them as slaves for 400 years. Until one day God said to a guy named Moses, Moses, I want you to do something that's actually seemingly unconscionable. I want you to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the known world. And I want you to go to him and I want you to, 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 to instruct him. In fact, I want you to, to command him, let my people go, let the Israelites go. Well, Moses, you can probably understand, was a little reluctant to do that. Moses, to, to go and approach the most powerful man in the known world, the Pharaoh of Egypt, and demand to him to let God's people go. <laughs> well, Pharaoh, quite understandably, said to Moses, no way. I'm not going to let the Israelites go. And so God decided He was gonna dial things up a little to get Pharaoh's attention and the Egyptians' attention. And so God actually sent, from that moment, sent a succession of plagues, 10 successive plagues. He plagued the nation of Israel with lice. Everyone, lice, lice, and more lice. Nasty. He sent a plague of frogs. Everywhere you went, everywhere you looked, everything you picked up, there was a frog in it, on it, or under it. 
He sent a plague of boils. Every square inch of everyone's body, head to toe, front to back, covered in boils. Well, this still wasn't enough for Pharaoh to relent and let the Israelites go. So then God sent more and he sent a plague of locusts again, everywhere you went, everything you touched, locusts. Nine plagues weren't enough for Pharaoh to relent and let the Israelites go. So then God, he really took it up a level. And God actually declared at that moment, the 10th plague, he was gonna send an angel of death. And that angel of death was gonna come into the land of Egypt and was gonna come into every single household in the, in the land of Egypt and, and, and kill the firstborn of every household. That's, that ought to get Pharaoh's attention, you'd think. But God did something incredible. God, the saving God, God who, 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 who by his very nature wants to save his people. God said to the people of Israel, here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna give you a way out. I'm gonna give you a way that no harm will come to you or your family. I wanna give, I'll give you a way that that angel of death will not come to you. Here's what I want you to do. I want each household to take a lamb and I want them to sacrifice that lamb and to take the blood from that lamb and paint it across the doorposts of your house. And after you've done that, when the angel of death comes through the land and they see that the blood of the lamb is painted on your doorpost. They won't come into your house. In fact, they'll pass over. The angel of death will pass over your house. You and your household will have been saved because of the blood of the lamb. Well, that 10th plague got Pharaoh's attention. And it was on that 10th plague that Pharaoh relented and let the Israelites go. And ever since, the Jewish people have been celebrating the Passover miracle, that God is a saving God, that God by the blood of the Lamb passed over their households and the households of their ancestors. And so they gather together every year and celebrate the feast of the Passover. And that's what Jesus was doing on this particular night just over 2000 years ago, only this time something was different. Jesus declared that the blood of the lamb was gonna save people if they wanted to follow him. Only this time, he told his followers that he was the lamb and that it was actually by his blood that they were gonna be saved. They actually didn't even fully understand what was going on. We now have the benefit of hindsight. We now know more of the story. We, we understand that the cross wasn't the end of the story. We know that Jesus went to the grave. We know the grave was just a borrowed grave, that he didn't stay there, that in three days he rose again, that yes, he died, but he actually conquered death. When Jesus was, was telling his disciples around this feast of the Passover that, that I am the lamb and it's my blood that's gonna save you, he actually took what would have been just regular uh, items as a part of the feast of the Passover, he took some bread and he lifted it up and he said to the, his disciples, when you eat this, remember me. He said, this is symbolic. This represents my body, 
my body that I'm about to actually hand over, my body that I'm about to actually give up, my body that I'm about to be allowed and submit myself to be put through a brutal death on the cross. When you eat this bread, I want you to remember me. And then he took a cup and again, it would have been a reasonably standard thing to have had at the table. But he took that cup and he said to his disciples, when you drink this cup, I want you to remember me. This, this wine, the contents of this cup, they're symbolic. They're symbolic of my blood, my blood that's gonna be shed, my blood that's gonna be poured out, but my blood that is gonna wash your sins away, my blood that is gonna allow salvation to come to your life. My blood that is gonna cause death to pass over you that because of my death, you'll never have to experience death yourself. When you drink this, remember me. And so while the Jewish people had been celebrating the feast of the Passover for, for, for thousands of years, followers of Jesus since the, that time have been celebrating what we've come to call communion together in various parts of the world, even today, Across the world, over a billion followers of Jesus will be gathering together to, to have some bread and to drink some juice together and, and doing it as an opportunity to remember Jesus. But here's the thing. I'm not sure Jesus just wanted us to remember Him as an historical person. There's no dispute that Jesus was an historical figure. There was a man named Jesus that lived over 2,000 years ago. And the account of what we read in the Bible is actually recorded in other non-church historical documents. I don't think Jesus just wants us to remember that He was here. I don't think Jesus even just wants us to remember that He was crucified because by the way, even though crucifixion was reserved to a select few in the, in the Roman world, He wasn't the only person to have ever been crucified. So to say, remember my crucifixion? Well, I'm a pragmatist. I ask the question, so what? He even had two people crucified next to Him. Why aren't we remembering their crucifixion? Why are we remembering your crucifixion? Well, the game changer for Jesus isn't just that He came to this earth fully man and fully God. The game changer for Jesus wasn't just that He went to the cross. The game changer for Jesus wasn't that He, just that He rose from the grave. The game changer for you and I when it comes to Jesus' death on the cross is what it made possible. When you eat this, remember that my body being sacrificed on a cross made it possible for you to have a relationship with my Father. When you drink from this cup, remember that it was my blood that made it possible for your sins to be wiped clean. This morning, we've done something that's very simple, but our hope is that whilst it's simple, it also has the power to be quite profound. And we've designed a very simple card 
And it says on it, because of the cross, I. And there's a blank line underneath. And what we want you to do and us to do together this morning is on this good Friday is to reflect and to think about something that you're grateful for, something that the cross made possible for you. Now, no one's gonna examine these. No one's gonna give you a score. There's no pass fail on this. It's, it's, it's you doing this. And in a moment, we're gonna ask you to come down and, and grab a card and grab a pen and, and write that and keep that. No one's gonna be checking them on the way out, giving you a mark. But my hope is that just in taking a time to do this, that you'll actually drill a little bit deeper than you might've thought you were gonna do coming in here on Good Friday. Because you can put, because of the cross, I have a relationship with God. Well, that, that's cool. We'll give you a tick for that. But that's kind of the Sunday school answer. Because of the cross, my sins are forgiven. Again, correct, good, but Sunday school answer. Instead, there's an opportunity this morning for you to really give reflection on what Jesus' death on the cross made possible for you. Because de Jesus' death on the cross meant that there's no more shame, no more guilt, that, that divorce doesn't define you, that your past failures are not who you are, that you made a mistake, you're not a mistake. And I could go on, I, 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 and I'm reluctant to do so because I don't wanna put the words in your mouth. But there could be something or some things. And by the way, the back of the card's blank. You can go crazy with this thing if you've got a list. Because of the cross, I. It's one of the dangers of us as followers of Jesus celebrating communion together is it can just become something we do out of habit and out of ritual. Yeah, thanks for Jesus, dying on the cross, bread, juice. Okay, what's for lunch? Whereas of all days of the year, we have an opportunity to, to, to really reflect about just how grateful we are of what Jesus made possible for us because of Him dying on the cross. So. Let me give you some very simple instructions. You guys are smart, but I want you to pay attention just the same. If you grew up in the Catholic Church, you'll already know what's about to happen. We, we, we know the rules, but those of you that didn't, let me explain. We've got these cards, they have a pen. I want you to take the cards. I want you to actually come down the center aisle. Those on the sides, shimmy around the back, follow the Catholics, shimmy around the back and come down the center aisle. Grab one of the cards and then we'll have our host team just on either side with a bit of bread and a bit of juice and grab that bit of bread and grab that bit of juice and take the card with the pen and just go back to your seat, down the centre aisle, out the side aisle. Sit, reflect, pray, give thanks, write, eat, drink, pause, Again, in a moment, just come down the front, grab a card and a pen, grab a bit of bread, a bit of juice, 
Go back to your seat. Pray. Reflect. Give thanks. Write. Eat. Drink. Pray. And let today be marked in your history as being an opportunity where this was just not just an ordinary Friday or even an ordinary good Friday, but a, a, a Friday that God reminded you of all the things that you can be grateful for, of all the things that His death on the cross made possible. So in your own time, how about you come on down?